0: All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. One of those issues is finding motivated sellers. Yes, this is probably the number one problem that I hear. Dave, how do I locate motivated sellers so I can wholesale properties for huge profits? Well, not to worry. One of my favorite ways to locate motivated sellers is by driving for dollars. When I drive for dollars and I do it several times a week, I like using the Deal Machine app. Why? Because it's my favorite app and it makes driving for dollars super easy and fun. How does it work, you're probably asking. Well, as you're driving around looking for properties that are distressed, like for example, tall grass, broken or boarded up windows in need of major landscaping, broken down cars in the driveway, tarps on the roof, or just roofs that look really old, gutters falling off, paint chipping away or peeling or anything else that would lead you to believe that the house or the seller is distressed. This app helps you keep track of the addresses so you can plot several of these properties from your phone all while driving. Furthermore, this app has the ability to send direct mail to these property owners and you can even skip trace these owners in real time and call and text them while you are in front of their property. I absolutely love this app, and I use it several times a week. Check it out for yourself. Go to Deal Machine in the App Store and download it. They offer a 14-day free trial, but don't forget to use the promo code DPI, and you will get up to $40 worth of free script tracing and mail credits again use promo code dpi and go download this today you will not regret it i absolutely love it welcome back to season two of the discount property investor podcast Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make
1: sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com the most complete free course on wholesaling real
0: estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, we are back. Discount Property Investors. Welcome back. This is your host, David Dodge. I am pleased to introduce you guys today to a friend of mine, Brian Page. Brian became a millionaire in his 20s as a residential real estate investor only to lose it all in the historic crash of 2008. So starting over with no credit or ability to buy property, Brian discovered a way to use other people's properties to earn income. So he went on to make six figures in six months and over $300,000 his first year renting and listing properties on Airbnb. So today we're gonna have a conversation with Brian about Airbnb properties. So realizing that you know, no one at the time was teaching how to build and scale on Airbnb, Airbnb businesses, Brian created a training called the B&B Formula. And we're gonna talk about that today, guys. His masterclass is now the world's best-selling Airbnb training where he has taught thousands of people From 38 countries, and I'm sure that's growing, how to build six to seven figure Airbnb businesses with several of his students now doing over $1 million in bookings annually. Brian has worked with some of the biggest heavyweights out there like Ty Lopez, Mike Dillard, Kevin Harrington, Dean Graziosi, and Grant Cardone and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine. He's passionate about helping people create new sources of income and become financially free. Welcome to the show, Brian Page. How you doing, buddy? David, good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. So let's talk about some Airbnbs. Let's do it.
1: I love talking about it.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate, First and foremost, before we jump in, I want to get a little bit of background
1: on you. Sure. I, um, I graduated from college, worked a traditional job in the hospitality industry. I hated what I was doing. And I knew that I wasn't going to go down the traditional road. So I started researching, what could I get into? And I started looking at stocks, stock investing, trading options, all that kind of stuff. And I looked at real estate and I thought that real estate would probably be the best model for me. It didn't look too difficult. Okay. And so I jumped in with both feet, learning how to flip houses. And this was around 2001, ended up flipping over hundred properties, renovating and flipping and build a whole portfolio of properties, got into construction, did wholesale deals, you name it. I did it all and uh, did well up until I didn't <laughs> up until the big crash. So that was kind of um, for many years. And now I've just recently got back into and, uh, buying and renovating properties again.
0: Okay. So how, so at the time of the crash, what was the reason that, you know, that was your demise? I'm just kind of curious because if you were buying and flipping properties, yeah, were you just held with a lot of properties that suddenly lost value? Or did you have a ton of rental properties that were over leveraged at higher prices than they were then worth? Or what was the ultimate cause that, 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 the, that the crash affected you so much?
1: Well, that was, that's an astute question because um, not a lot of people ask that. So it wasn't that I was getting into flipping or that I had projects going on that I couldn't sell. It was because I was getting in the speculative side of the market. So I was building multi-million dollar beach homes at the time. And I had a lot of properties on the coast and was not building them with any particular buyer in mind. It was only on spec. And so when the market turned, of course, the very first part of the market to get hammered was like the vacation properties, second homes, that kind of thing. So I could not sell any of my inventory and I had all my cash tied up in those those properties. So they essentially dragged everything else down, and that's how I lost my essentially lost everything and, and went. I didn't go bankrupt, but I might as well have been bankrupt. So um so the 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 lesson here is if you are a developer or a speculator, you need to be very very careful because they tend to go out. They tend to go out of business faster than anybody else. So now I've learned. Um, I am back into uh, buying properties, building a portfolio, all that kind of stuff. But uh, the speculation is not something I care to do again.
0: Right? Yeah, me neither, man. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Good answer. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So now that you are, you've gotten through that hurdle, and you're, so you're back. You're, you're doing rehabs again. You're, are you
1: building homes or are you just renovating homes? Um, No, my primary business is Airbnb. And the thing that I teach is how to use other people's properties, which we'll get into. But I also believe in buying properties and paying them off and building equity and all that kind of stuff. So I am now buying, renovating and turning properties into Airbnb units, but I'm not selling them. I'm not flipping them. So do you have any long-term rentals or is it all short-term? It's all short-term. All short I term. Okay. I don't do any long term and I never will again, probably um, the numbers are too good. So, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, and uh, partnering on a lot of properties and still doing a lot of leases and controlling properties I don't own. That's the majority of my properties that I do. And then of course, teaching is a whole nother business, which is I, I, I educate people and teach them how to do the exact same thing. So I got multiple companies, multiple businesses, but I am still now involved in the, nitty-gritty and the renovations and, and the single-family homes as well. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. Well, Brian, let's jump in, man. Yeah. Why, or I'm sorry, how
0: do you make money on Airbnb without owning a property? Let's start with that question right there because I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, how sure. they can get into doing Airbnbs if they don't own something, right? Like most people yeah. think, oh, I got to own a property to be able to rent it out via either long-term or short-term. short doesn't really matter, right? But yeah. you know, you're
1: here to tell us today that you don't even have to own the property. So tell yeah. us how that works. Okay, I call it property hacking. Um, and it really is a pretty cool hack. And the way I do it is totally ethical. It's totally above board. We're not taking advantage of any owners and we're not sneaking around doing this. We're letting owners know what we're doing. Um, and the reason I, I did it this way was because after the real estate crash for several years, I wasn't doing anything at all related to real estate. And I wanted to get back in and start creating cash flow. I was working a traditional job. I was tired of that. I did not want to be employed by someone else. So I was looking for how to create cash flow. And I knew Airbnb made would make money because I was making a lot of money with my little second bedroom on the apartment that I rented. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was kind of a chance encounter on a plane with a with a wealthy angel investor that he looked at my my little tiny side hustle business and said, Hey, why don't you control a bunch of properties? And you don't have to own them, you only have to control them. And I was like, whoa, how do I do that? He's like, Well, simple leases or you could partner with the owner. And so that's what I started doing. And I went out and rented a little one bedroom apartment. I put it on Airbnb. Uh, I made triple the, what I was paying in rent the very first month. And then I do that again and again and again and again, leasing a whole bunch of properties. And then eventually I got smarter and I thought, well, what if I could partner with an owner? I don't even have to sign a lease. So then I started partnering with owners where we share the revenue. And so essentially that's what I do. I, I, I teach people how to do the exact same thing. So you can control a property through a lease, with an agreement that it's going to be a short term rental and create incredible cash flow without having to ever come up with a down payment or buy anything. Now, of course, if you're listening and you're an investor, I'm sure a lot of people in your audience are investors. That's great. Just use properties you already own, but this opens the door to everybody to start making cash flow, even if they don't own anything.
0: Okay. Very good. So before we jumped on this show, we had talked for a minute and you had mentioned, um, work less have more and like, that's mm-hmm. your philosophy. Can yeah. you explain a little bit more to our audience about
1: what you mean by work less, have more? Sure, uh, a little bit controversial, but I am anti-hustle your face off, anti-work all the time. I, I think there's a time and a place for that sometimes. But I think that, um, that if you define wealth as just money, just net worth, just you know, income, then you're missing half the picture. Because the other thing that you need to be wealthy in is time. If you're making a gazillion dollars a year and you don't have any time to see your family or do anything that you enjoy or take care of your health or take time off and you know, whatever it is, you're not really wealthy in my mind. So you have to have money plus time and time is finite. Money is infinite. There's really money everywhere. I was just talking to Grant Cardone uh, last hour uh, interviewing him for my podcast in he said, look, time is way more valuable than money. And it is because there's only so much of it. And, and so I think people need to revalue their time and start looking for ways that they can make a lot more money per hour, um, maybe with, with no time involvement. And that's what real estate can do for you. There's many ways to do that. Mm-hmm. So passive or semi-passive income. And that's what I teach with Airbnb is how to remove yourself from the process. Because I don't want anybody to, to run their little hotel, so to speak. I want them to outsource all that so they can create cash flow. And that's the name of the game. Instead of trading your time for money, you need to start building assets, borrowing assets, or leveraging assets to create income. Got it.
0: Okay. And I love it. I love it. So, um, if you don't mind me asking how many Airbnbs do you have currently?
1: I've got a dozen. I got 12. Okay. And some of my students actually have surpassed me in the number of listings. I I have students that have way more listings than that. So, and do you um, own any of these at the current time? I do own some of them. Yes, I, okay. I own some of them, and I'm actually in the process of buying several right now. So they're not sure. quite yet ready because we're in the process. I'm renovating a uh, a little 1,500 square foot house right now. I got another one that's ready to be renovated right after we're done with that. The crew is about ready to move to the next house. So I'm renovating. I'm doing that, and um, I'm also uh, partnered on some some big high end homes, multi million dollar homes. So we've got properties in Scottsdale, Arizona. We got a whole portfolio that we're looking at picking up in Florida. It's 18 homes in Florida, all multi-million dollar homes that are all going to be short term rentals. So I'm not looking to buy them. I'm looking to control them through long term leases. So I'm doing that as well. And so I got all kinds of different things going on there. But um, yeah, so I'm still actively involved. I'm still doing that. And my students, the really exciting part is I've got students that have just out earned me. I mean, they have just gone gangbusters with what I teach. And that's been great for them, you know, and um, uh, so I've been able to see a lot of people that had no experience get to six figures or even almost crack seven figures. I got three students that are about to do that. Seven, a uh, million dollars in bookings on Airbnb. And, um, and that's tremendous, you know, for people that have no experience in real estate, most of them have no, re- no real estate experience. So that's, that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Awesome. Let's take a step back real quick, uh, Brian. You had mentioned that your first, the first one you had done was, uh, was it a single?
1: bedroom like a one bedroom it was a one bedroom apartment behind somebody's house so it was a little separate entrance apartment okay and I approached the lady she had a for rent sign in the front yard and I just said I got this crazy idea I want to lease your place but I don't want to live in it and hear me out and so I just kind of explained it to her took her a while to agree to do it Mm -hmm. but she did finally agree and I went in there furnished it really cheaply and uh, actually made back my money on the furnishings like in the first month and then every month thereafter, been making about 1800 to, you know, 2200 a month net, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fried my brain a little bit because when I owned a bunch of real estate units, I didn't make more than two or $300 on a single family house by the time I rented it out and paid the insurance and the taxes and, you know, all that stuff. Right. So to make 10 times that is shocking to me. And I don't even own it. And I have no real cost into it. I have first month's rent, deposit and some, some, uh, furnishings, but that's only a few thousand bucks. Um, so that kind of like shifted everything for me. And I thought, man, wow, this is cool. And I started looking for more condos, houses, townhouses, that kind of stuff. That's how so I, I, I have, I'm
0: under the impression that the Airbnb model works really well for three, four, five bedroom plus properties. Do you disagree with that in terms of like properties with one bedroom or two bedroom? And the reason that I say this before you answer is I feel like a, you know, you can't charge as much for a smaller place, but B they're, they're way more saturated in the market, having one and two bedrooms Mm -hmm. versus these places that people, you know, may want to rent out to, you know, have a baby shower or a party or something along that line or a business a business, um, you know, meeting with their company, something along those lines. Does it matter on the size of the unit and number of beds?
1: Uh, it somewhat matters, but it's everything's hyper local. Real estate's always local, so it's kind of like saying I believe flipping single family homes is better than flipping any other kind of property. When if you're in New York, for example, if you're in Manhattan, there are no single family homes to flip. You're going to be flipping, you know, condos. You're going to be flipping a totally different kind of property. So the so the short answer is. No, there's, it's highly lucrative to do studios in one bedrooms because they cost so little to rent. And that's anything. If you're in a big city, like let's say you're in a, ma- in a major metropolitan area, the cost to get a one bedroom is significantly less to get a three bedroom house or a four bedroom house on the edge of the city. And you're still gonna make two, three, four X of whatever your cost is when you turn it into a short-term rental. So yeah, will you make more with a single family? Yes, but you're also spending a lot more. You're also committing to a much larger monthly payment you're committing to furnishing a much larger property. It's not easy to furnish a three bedroom house and do it right and have it look amazing and, and stage it pr- correctly. It's very easy to stage a little studio. So I always tell people start small, start with what's comfortable to you. If you're, if you're an experienced real estate investor and you have a whole bunch of single families you are used to doing that. Great. I have one student that did, does luxury properties for a living and decided his first property should be a $3 million house. And he did, and he did fine. He felt comfortable with a $9,000 a month mortgage. And that does make really good money on Airbnb. So that's fine. So the short answer is, as far as saturation, I don't see that at all because there, there are a million people a month right now. I'm sorry, not a month, per week. A million people a week that are signing up to use Airbnb for the very first time. Very first time. So over 50 million people a year signing up to use it. And there are not 50 million hosts signing up, not even close. So the demand is, is still exceeding the supply of properties. And there's huge opportunity. And, um, uh, so how I long do you think that'll, day. that'll, that'll continue? You know, I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say, you know, the Airbnb is, is, uh, and home sharing is kind of, people are aware of it now, but still most people don't use it. So the, the latest surveys show that while the awareness is high, the actual usage is very low. So if you were to ask 10, 10 of your friends, do you actually use Airbnb that most of them would say no even though they know what it is. So most people are still using hotels. Most people are still traveling in the traditional way. So I think there's still plenty of opportunity, you know, anywhere really. I mean, I've seen that all the day, de- all the time. People are always starting out with me for the very first time and within 30 days, 60 days, they're, they're doing it and they're making money. So, um, so I don't have a crystal ball. Um, but the opportunities there for sure right now for people that want to jump in and, and awesome. you know, it's not long-term, you're not buying the property for the next, you know, you're not buying it. And then, Like in the bubble, you're buying something at the top of the bubble, and then you could lose a tremendous amount of equity or value when the market collapses. You're 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 either leasing or not even leasing at all. You're doing a month to month agreement. And then there's no risk. I mean, worst that can happen is you shut down the Airbnb within 30 days. Yeah, and then
0: just remove out your stuff and virtually
1: no risk. I mean, I don't know of any real estate play where you have you can have no credit involved, no money down, which is when you partner with an owner and no long-term commitment and and i've done it with i did it with bad credit and i show people how to do it with bad credit because when you partner with an owner you do not you're not going to run my credit report if i'm offering you a service of listing your property on airbnb that's never going to come into the conversation right so there's all kinds of opportunity for really anybody to get into this interesting interesting Mm
0: -hmm. okay what what would be my earning potential if i were just to list a room on airbnb
1: uh a room that's hard to say um I don't really teach listing rooms. I mean, it's fine to do, to make some money. Mm-hmm. I, li- I only teach getting standalone properties, but, okay. but a room, you could easily house hack your own apartment or house. Mm-hmm. By, I mean, by house hacking, I mean, make enough to live for free. And there are people doing this. It's very easy to pay your mortgage with one room in most places. Um, but how much you make totally depends on where you live. Cause I have students that are in t- small towns in middle America and they can actually, let, let, let's say they're paying $500 a month for their apartment, which sounds really low, but that's what people can pay in these small you know, mm-hmm. markets in the middle of nowhere versus somebody that's living in LA and they're paying $3,000 a month for uh, a one bedroom there or two, a two bedroom there. And they're running sure. out one of the rooms on it. So it's all just relative. It's just, it all like, just
0: kind of depends. It's just
1: like selling a house, flipping a house. What can you make on it? Totally depends on what the market is and what the house is worth when it's fixed.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Excuse me. How do you, you work that? around a city's restrictions? Because this has become something yeah. that's, you know, I think becoming more and more um, of, a, of a barrier to entry, maybe. Yeah. Maybe the word, good way to word that. Sure. Um, so I'm, I live in St. Louis. I'm in middle America. I'm in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And just recently, we've had some legislation that has increased the amount of taxes yeah. uh, for these short term rentals. So t- let's talk a little bit about some of the restrictions or just some of the legislation that may be affecting this business.
1: Okay. Well, the bigger picture first before I answer that is that Airbnb is a disruptor. It's a massive disruptor, just like Uber completely is upending the taxi industry, mm-hmm. essentially making it irrelevant uh, Uber and, and, and um, Lyft and these kind of companies. Well, Airbnb's come in and disrupted not only the real estate industry has disrupted the hotel industry, which is a very powerful, industry in most large cities Mm -hmm. and so you see some like pushing back some grassroots pushing back which i don't think it's really individuals i think it's the hotels they are very threatened by this and so hotels are very powerful and they have a lot of politicians that they're linked to and a lot of money that they give to cities and so airbnb is trying to compete with that and airbnb has now started working with cities like chicago to turn the rules on their head, essentially to get approved short-term rentals. And they're doing that by collecting money and giving it to the cities. It's all about money. So they show cities like Chicago, Hey, if you let us do home sharing, this is how much tax uh, revenue we can bring in. So Airbnb is starting to collect taxes for the hosts. So when you're on Airbnb, a lot of cities now, the Airbnb will collect the taxes and then pay it to the city, occupancy taxes, hotel taxes, that kind of stuff. But to your question about um, uh, um, restrictions, yes, there are restrictions. There are some cities where you can't do this really at all. And some cities are very difficult, like uh, New York proper, New York City, San Francisco, some of the larger cities, Atlanta proper. So what we had to do is I spent a lot of time and money with a research firm to find out what's going on, like what's happening across the whole globe and what's happening in the U.S. And we, we researched um, 2,000 cities. So every town above 30,000 people in population, we put on a list, on a spreadsheet, and we classified them by, um, is there is home sharing allowed or not allowed? And what we found is that nine out of 10 towns and cities, over 30,000 people, allow home sharing. 10% do not. So one in 10 chance that it's not going to be allowed where you live. And what was interesting is I started finding that some of my students, or a lot of my students, actually lived in those restricted cities like san francisco and new york and i was like how in the world are they doing this So i started reaching out to them i said how are you doing this now some of them said well i'm doing it despite the rules you know they don't enforce the rules here which is a lot of cities don't enforce the rules but i found there was a larger segment of students that were doing this um, simply around the restricted areas so and atlanta is a perfect example atlanta there's is a small city it's not that big of a footprint but atlanta metro area is huge and it's made up of millions and millions of people. So the people that live in Atlanta, they're not doing it in Atlanta downtown where it's not allowed. They're doing it in all the towns that are surrounding all the different metro areas and Got it. Got around it. Atlanta. So I, I liken it to this. If you're in real estate and you're going to buy a residential house, you can't turn that into a coffee shop. It's not zoned for that. You also can't go live in an office complex because it's not zoned for that. Right. Same thing with short-term rentals. There are zones where you can't do it. It doesn't mean the opportunity is not there. It's just like you got to get in the car and drive 30 minutes or wherever to the next town and do it there. And there are towns that are, there's some great towns that do this all over the country. And those are the towns you want to focus on. So I just tell people, look within an hour radius maximum of where you live, set up the listing, and then automate it like I teach. And you're not going to have to go to the property. At all. Like I don't I don't go to my properties. I have I have electronic locks on them. I've got nest cameras. I can see who's coming and going. And I'm not even there. I'm not the person cleaning the property. My cleaners are going there. So I don't need to have a place nearby me. And now I have properties in multiple states. So um so go where the opportunity is and the vast majority of places, 90% are open. So that's that's my answer.
0: All right. I like it. I like it. Good answer. Good answer, Brian. Um, how do you get an owner to put their property on Airbnb? How does that work?
1: Okay. So it's all about pitching the owners correctly. Now I do talk about this in depth. I actually, at the end, I'll explain how people can get my audiobook. and in my audiobook, I explain my story. So I won't go into that right now, but essentially when I started meeting with owners face-to-face, I met with hundreds of owners now face-to-face. I found a lot of them were like, no, no, I don't get it. No, you're
0: talking about that. just the owners of a property that aren't Airbnb, just just owners.
1: Yeah, just people that have a property for rent. So they have it on, you know, Zillow or they have it in the local paper or they have a sign in the yard for rent. Sure. And they're looking for a long-term tenant. Now, I got to somehow shift their mindset to allow me to rent it. And so what I found is there, it, it, there's yeah, really Yeah, because only- even
0: though you are renting from them, you are going to be essentially subleasing. Right? Isn't that the no, I'm not subleasing.
1: No, I'm not subleasing because subleasing is where someone else signs a document saying that they're going to pay the rent, and if they don't pay it, then I pay it.
0: So that's I'm so glad that I that I screwed yeah. that up because that's No, no, a, you I'm, didn't screw it up. Because that's a good thing. I didn't know the difference there. Everybody so thinks this. Everyone no, thinks, thinks that. This. So so I'm not leasing it and then doing micro subleases. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm leasing it with an agreement that I'm going yeah. to then be just renting it short term. You're, right? you're
1: leasing and then you're hosting, which sounds, hosting. Like, sounds like semantics, but it's not. Because it's kind of like saying, because somebody said to me, well, Brian, people are get, paying you to stay there. Of course, they're renting it. I said, well, you pay to stay in a hotel. Are you renting the hotel room? No, you're not. You don't have any right to that hotel room. Same way when guests stay in Airbnb, they don't have any right to the property. They're not responsible for paying the rent. They're only paying me and then I got to turn around and pay the rent. So I got to explain that to others. That's a good, good answer. Yeah. And guess what? You're not going to evict. You can't, you don't evict guests. You evict tenants. So there's no evictions because they don't have any right to the property. They can't go to the the police and say, well, I have a lease. You can't come in this property. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, so it's different. Uh, But even if it was considered subleasing, it doesn't matter because it really, what comes down to is getting the owner on board with what you're trying to do. So if the owner wants to argue with me, it's subleasing. I'm like, fine. That's, that's fine. But here's what I want to do. I want to rent the place from you. I'll sign a lease right now. I'll pay you deposit right now. I'll pay my rent on time. I'll maintain the property. I'll take care of it. Um, uh, but the only difference is I'm not going to live in it. I'm going to let guests stay here. And what I found is that the owners only have about seven or eight main objections as to doing this. And I had to come up with answers to all these objections in order to get a yes. And now I can get guesses all the time because I know sure. how to answer these people's questions. Mm-hmm. So owners are concerned with just a couple things. And I know this because I am an owner and I have a lot of properties with long-term tenants. Owners are concerned with, are you going to pay the rent on time without any hassle? And are you going to respect the property and not damage my property? That's basically sure. it. I mean, other than that, what else could they care about?
0: Yeah. I mean, I own 53 rental properties right, right? now. So uh, yeah, I, is there anything all, beyond that? are all like single I- family rentals. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody wanted to come to me and do this, I wouldn't really care. All I would yeah. care about is that I get my rent, I get yep. it on time, and that they are keeping the property maintained. And
1: you, and you might be concerned with liability, right? Because liability sure. is a concern. So that's right. another concern. So what I found is there's ways to, to combat this. Every single one has a simple answer. So for liability, for example, well, I tell the owner, did you know that Airbnb gives, gives us a $1 million coverage? for any damages that were to happen to the property, 1 million automatically. And no, is addition, that per,
0: that's per booking?
1: That's just, yeah, one yeah per, exactly. Per booking, $1 million coverage. But I go above and beyond that and I actually get an insurance policy for short-term, short-term rentals. There's companies that do this now. Only costs a little bit per month. I pay for it and I make you, David, as let's say you're the owner, I make you the beneficiary. So I, I don't get any benefit of it. I'm gonna pay your insurance policy. So now you're insured, Personally, on your on your normal insurance policy, you're insured by Airbnb and you're insured by me. So, when was the last time a tenant offered to insure your property and pay the cost? That never happened. Never.
0: Right? That's never. So then, ever on top happened. of that,
1: you're going to come back and say, "All right, well, I like that, but what about what about maintenance, man? This could be a lot of wear and tear on the property, and all these people coming and going. So, I say, all right, well, what if I cover all minor maintenance under 100 bucks? Would that would that help? You're like sure so i'm going to maintain the property i'm not going to call you about clogged toilets and or any little stuff i'll just take care of it and then um and then essentially so then the other thing you say is well what if they wear out my property and i explain to you well do you understand every time a guest leaves i bring a professional cleaning company in and we clean this place top to bottom it has to be spotless it has to look perfect to be ready for the next guest so your property would be cleaner than it's ever been and maintained to the highest standards it's ever been maintained And that's what owners tell me after I've been leasing for them for a few months. They're like, oh my gosh, my property has never looked so good. And I welcome them in. Come on in. Anytime there's a vacancy, come on in and see the property. So it goes on and on and on. And you start explaining to them that guests treat a property different than a tenant does. A tenant looks at a property and says, this is my property. It's my space. And, you know, and they can do crazy things like put a satellite dish on the roof or paint one of the bedrooms a weird color or have their car unblocked, or have their dog destroy the backyard. None of those things happen with a guest that's coming in for two nights, that's, that's flying in. I mean, none of that stuff happens, and they don't treat the property that way. It's very, very different. And so I go through all this, I explain it all to them, I tell them how the guests already have their credit card on file with Airbnb. I already took a deposit from them by putting a hold on their credit card. I know who they are, I know they have reviews. You know, this isn't just somebody, you know, coming in and paying cash. Sure. So, sure. It, so once I explain all that to them, not every owner will say yes. I don't care. I don't care if eight out of 10 say no, because it doesn't take me but one weekend to go see 10 rental properties. And if I talk to 10 people, I know I'm going to get a few people that'll say, yeah, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. And, I, and then I sign them up and we go for it. And then the worst the, the, the worst case scenario is they say, no, I'm still not interested. Then I say, David, how about this? You're asking $1,000 a month for your unit. What if I can make you $1,500 a month in that unit? Would you be interested? But no extra work, no work. You're not going to be involved. And you say, yeah, tell me how. I say, all right. We're going to take that property. I'm going to put it on Airbnb. I'll do all the work. If it brings in, say, three thousand a month, which I think it will, you're going to make fifteen hundred, and I'll make the whatever's left after we pay all the expenses. And uh, and you'll always be guaranteed your thousand bucks. You never make less than your thousand bucks. And but in some not, scenarios, they may make more
0: than the thousand bucks. are going to
1: make you're going to make more than your thousand. And uh, and at any point, you don't like the arrangement, you just tell me to take a hike. I just need a sixty day notice so I can get the guests out. Okay. So it's a, it's a month to month agreement, you know, agreement. Is that okay? So why wouldn't you do that? right? Why wouldn't
0: you? Right. Absolutely.
1: Now do I Let's... make less? Yeah, I make less, but who cares? I've, I've got a deal and now I can go find uh, lease deals as well.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. So then yeah. tell me this though, is there certain parts of town that are going to be better for these Airbnb properties than others? And, and what makes a good location? I think, you know, everyone that, that, that's new to real estate, I would have think, knows that location, 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 right? That's the three most important things when it comes to real estate. How does the location affect the Airbnb business?
1: Great question. Okay. So yes, it is all about location, but there isn't just one location. So I live in a tourist town. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. So when I first started doing this, people said, Oh, well, no wonder it works for you. You live in Charleston, South Carolina tourist destination. So we started doing some research and this was before I had any students that were doing well as I had just started teaching. Um, and now I have thousands of students that are killing it in all kinds of places all over the world. And what I realized is that the, most, the, the majority of people on Airbnb are not traveling for tourism, they're not. I know that sounds crazy. They're traveling for any reason that people travel for, just the same reason people stay in hotels. Most hotels don't cater to tourists. Most hotels cater to the guy driving down the highway with his family and needs a place to stay, the guy who's on business and needs a place to stay in, in, in uh, a big city. They're, the same thing with the hotel industry. They cater to anybody that needs to stay short term. So what I found now after teaching this for a few years is that I have students that are in towns as small as 6,000 people that are killing it. And I'm like, how in the world are you doing Airbnb in a little town of 6,000? They said, and when this guy that's doing it there, a couple of different guys I talked to, um, he said, well, there's no hotels here. There's not even an option for a hotel. They have to stay in home. They have to. Yeah. So there's, that's
0: a display. So he's making money there.
1: So. So, yeah, so there are locations you need to focus on. Absolutely, it is about location, but there's more than one location. So, for example, if you're in a town that has a big convention center, then you could cater to convention center travelers. If you're in an area that's a tourist destination like this, then you want to be near the tourist uh, things. But if you're in just a regular town and you have a big employer like a hotel, I mean like a hospital rather, or a big uh, tech firm or something, you need to have your units near that. Maybe you're in a college town. Guess who's going to come to a college town? Parents, the students visiting. You need to have your houses close to the campus. It's the same thing. It goes on and on and on. There's like twenty different reasons people travel. So you just need to ask yourself, why would people come to this town? And where would I want to stay if I was in this town? And and then find your pro- the best property you can find in that area. And that's that's really what it is. I mean, I I I I even have some students that have properties in the middle of nowhere, like cabins in the woods in rural Canada like in the middle of nowhere. And this one guy has five cabins. I was like, who's going to these cabins? He's like, I don't know. People just want to get away and get in the woods. And I make a lot of money doing Airbnb. So it's all, it is about location, but there's there's not one location. How um, How does Airbnb make their money? Good question. I've never been asked that one. So Airbnb charges a fee. Luckily, it's only 3% of whatever we bring in. So if you bring in $10,000 a month, you're only going to pay 3% of that to Airbnb for everything that they do, which is a bargain. And then they're going to charge a fee on the guest side. So the guest is charged a fee as well. So they make money on both sides of the equation. Uh, but so the
0: guests pay a fee at booking, but at you booking. don't see that. So no. they only take 3% of what you actually get.
1: Of all bookings, yeah, I get to keep ninety-seven percent of the money that I that we make on Airbnb and bookings goes directly into my bank account daily, and then at the end of the month, I pay the rent to the owner and pay the utilities, and we're done. And whatever's Love left it. over. So, mine.
0: in terms of that, that's, I'm glad I asked because that's I didn't know that. So ninety-seven yeah. percent's awesome. So, so the so they're going to take three percent. Now they collect all the money and pay you, so you don't ever owe them anything, right? They just keep it. You never owe them, and you, you just never keep that three percent. Never handle credit cards
1: or money. Mm-mm.
0: And you never handle, so they handle all that, okay. And then yeah, the guests the that, yeah, and the guests, yeah, sure. And the guests that uh, that pays, they they don't even know about that three percent. No, but and that just comes off of what you receive. But then they also probably pay a little bit more in the beginning that that goes to the goes to the Airbnb. They right? do
1: pay. They pay way more than three percent on that other side. That's where Airbnb really makes the money, and the people are are used to that because it's just the way it works. You go on there and it it, it adds right. it on. Uh, But yeah, that's it. It's all, it's all taken care of for you. You don't have to handle any of the money. And the guest is charged at the time of booking. So if they make a thousand dollar booking on a place, immediately it goes off their credit card. So if they book with you, there's no chance that they're going to, they're going to show up and then not have the money. The money's already been removed.
0: So that's my next, man, Brian, you nailed it. That's my next question. So, (laughs) so when they book, they pay today. Like, let's say that I wanted to book yeah, one of your Airbnbs
1: for two, two months from now. For yeah. two
0: months from now. So I pay, pay now. a day, All right. Yeah. So they hold
1: those funds. When do you get paid? Not until the day after you check in. The so day you after check you in, check the in. The morning okay. after you check in. Because if you check in and if I scammed you, there was no property there, which has happened. If there's no property there when you show up or it's a dump, and you say, I'm not staying here, then Airbnb can handle it. But if and you make stay it,
0: there... And, and they can then... The, yeah, they, they handle yeah. the customer service aspect. Yeah, they'll
1: handle thing. all that. They'll settle it. But if you're staying there for a week, the day after you check in, I get a deposit, direct deposit for the full $1,000 or whatever that you're paying me to stay there. For the
0: full, the full duration of that stay.
1: Exactly. Wow, that's And really then I'm cool. protected as well. So I there's think,
0: not much delay. I mean, one day is nothing.
1: No, there's not, a, there's not one delay. And you can Assuming
0: it's a business day, right?
1: Yeah. Now you're not going to get paid on days where nobody checked in the day before, but yeah, sure. if you have enough listings, you get paid every single day. Boom, 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 like that. So there's no waiting for your money. You know, the only thing you're waiting for is to get your first listing, your first booking. So if I have a lease starting on the first, and this is what, I don't even know what the day is first uh, 23rd. So if I have a lease starting on the first, that's a little bit too close for comfort. I want to book that first month up really, really fast before I have to start paying rent. So if, if I was going to lease a place from you, I'd say, I, I don't want to start in the first. I'll start in the 15th, which gives me plenty of time to start booking that calendar out because you can start booking the place even before you have the keys to the property. That's what I do. I, I, I book it. I take photos of it. I start booking it immediately.
0: And you start so, booking it without your furniture in there then?
1: Well, if, yeah. If it's not furnished, you got to get photos of it furnished. So one of, the, one of the listings I got, for example, I already had photos of it furnished the way it was furnished before.
0: Oh, and then you, you just know, update just it explain, later.
1: I just explained to people, look, it's going to look a little different when I furnish it, but the, the place is ready to be booked now. Yeah. Book. Okay. I hey, you're, this, yeah.
0: I love it, man. You know, you know this very, very well. What about other channel providers? So like I know yeah. Airbnb is relatively new. I don't know how long it's been around, five, six, seven years maybe, uh, but it's relatively new. Whenever I was, I'm 35. Whenever I was in my mm-hmm. 20s, early 20s, and I was going with my family to the beach or to the mountains, you know, for a vacation, we would always look at VRBO. Where does VRBO stack up to Airbnb? And then I think there's a couple other big ones like HomeAway. Yeah, there's other ones.
1: Yeah. Um, do Do
0: you work exclusively with Airbnb or do you work with these other companies too? And how does all that tie together?
1: I yes, I only teach Airbnb. I do uh, do use VRBO on the very very high end properties, and it is a good option for vacation rentals, which you're talking about. But Airbnb is the is the biggest. It's the biggest, and it's the least expensive. It charges the smallest fees, and it's kind of so I it's like the, it best. It's a, the biggest and the cheapest. It's The biggest and the best. So it's kind of like can you use other platforms? Yes. The same way if you started an Amazon store, you could also sell on eBay, but why would you? Amazon is the, is all you need, you know, right? You could go to other options, but just use Amazon. It can build a mass massive business on Amazon. So to me, unless you're not booking your calendar up, you could use other platforms. But what I teach is just Airbnb, only Airbnb, use that. And it's, it works fine. It'll book your calendar up by using Airbnb. So um, so there are other platforms out there. I don't have be thinking against them. I, Airbnb is just the biggest. It's the best. It's the easiest to to learn, and uh, and it's all you really need to do. What I teach. So
0: it's really unnecessary then
1: to try to have
0: all of these, all of your properties on all these different platforms. Because oh I, yeah, yeah. That, I, I would mean, think it's it's inefficient to do that. I it, mean, it, you
1: could. It's it it, you know. I keep I keep bringing this back to like wholesale and and flipping. You know, like could you flip your property by putting it on a million different websites and going to a local RIA and going over here and trying to, yeah, you could do all that. Or you could just find one place that what well, you can unload your properties quickly. Cause I never sold my houses on the MLS. I always sold my flips directly to uh, other investors and I pre-sold them. So I did it in a kind of an unusual way, but it allowed me to unload everything I ever had without having to go list them. Right. So that, so that I just found a good channel that works. So it's the same thing here. Uh, VRBO is great. If you're doing very high end luxury, it's great for that, but that's not what 99% of people are going to be doing. And I don't recommend jumping into a high end market with a sophisticated multi-million-dollar property owner. That's not going to be happy with you just experimenting with their house. Um, so that's an advanced thing, but yeah, I would say Airbnb is all you need. And it's a great question. Cause I don't get asked that very much. Got it. I only got a couple more for you, man. Is signing a lease right. for Airbnb risky? some would say it is i don't think it is um, it, it's it's risky if you don't think you're going to make money but you will you 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 will make more short term than long term now how much more i don't know you can make 200% of the rent you can make 300% of the rent you can make 400% of the rent um, it just depends do you think
0: on, on average and well from your experience are you basically are you making at least double from oh, a yeah. long term rental compared without to a, a short term
1: rental without a doubt double um, and, and that's, that's kind of at a minimum. At a minimum, I say two to three hundred percent is average for okay. my students, and you can go even higher. So, so yeah, if you have a thousand dollar rental, then you could, you should look to net a thousand to two thousand per month, which is phenomenal when you think about. It. You could make twenty four thousand dollars a year on a thousand dollar rental. You could. I'm not saying you will. You could make twelve thousand a year, but does it really matter if you have a thousand dollar a month cash flow coming in that's automated and that you don't own the property and you can set it up in thirty days? That's phenomenal. I mean that's killer cash flow right cuz you don't have to do just one you can do a bunch of these so um, so yeah 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 I forget where we were going with this but yeah you can you can make a multiple of whatever your rent is and oh leases um, it's risky to some people so i always tell people if you're not com- comfortable you're not confident with signing a lease i am cuz i'm you know i have a real estate background if you're not comfortable then just partner on your first deal um, work with the owner one-on-one, make half of what you would normally make. And then now you're like, wow, I'm making, I'm bringing a $3,000 a month in bookings on this little one bedroom. I'm going to get the other one bedroom. That's a block away. But this time I'm going to lease it. Yeah, this time I'm not
0: going to split it. I'm so not going to split it. A partnership, you limit your risk, but you're yeah. also going to limit your reward. I love it. You but, you it limit but your it, risk. You limit but your for reward. those who have that fear of, well, what happens if this or that, and I don't want to sign a year lease with somebody yeah partnering is the way to partnering go. I, and,
1: and you can build a big business partnering. I've, I, one of my students is out in Washington state. She's 26 years old and she just cracked. I think she told me 500, $600,000 a year in bookings. So she's probably netting 200 250. and, and none of the properties she has, not a single one of them has ever been leased. She only does partnerships. So she built a big business. She's on her way. I mean, she's going to be making half a million a year doing it. So she only you can do does partnerships. She's never signed a lease. Wow. And she's never done real estate and she's never owned a business. She was a bartender. <laughs> she was a bartender and a college student, uh, a dropout basically stopped doing college just to do this. So there's big business either way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you just make more per unit when you lease it. So that's why I like leasing.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Brian, tell us how we can learn more about sure. you, your programs. Sure. Um, I, I, you have a book too, right? I'm interested in yeah. learning more about the book. Um, so yeah, yeah, tell us more about that. So it's right
1: behind me here. It's more of a booklet, but it, I have this on audiobook where you can listen to it. Um, okay. Just brianpagebook.com, brianpagebook.com. It's two bucks for the audiobook. You get to download it and listen to it right away. Okay. And then um, it tells my story and it goes through the specific numbers. Like for people that like specifics, it goes into each property and how I was able to stack these things and scale it. And then if you want to just learn more about me and what I teach, you can go to bnbformula.com. That's the letter B, N as a Nancy, B, bnbformula.com. And you can see, you know, I've got 600 video testimonials on there, people that are killing it and, and it just tells you more about what I teach.
0: Sweet. So brianpagebook.com for the audio book. It's like it's like two bucks, guys. Bucks. Come on, you can afford the two bucks. I'll give then, you your money he, back if
1: you, if you hate
0: it. <laughs> there you go. He's giving you guys a guarantee. Love it. And then bnbformula.com, and that's more of like
1: your coaching program, right? Yeah, that explains a little bit more about what I do and that kind of thing. If you read the book, it'll tell you how to, um, to essentially, if you want to watch my presentation where I go into this in depth, I kind of walk you through how it's all done. You can learn more there too, either one.
0: Let me ask you one more question before we wrap up here, Brian. If you are new to real estate investing, okay, mm-hmm. and you don't know a whole lot about it, would you mm-hmm. recommend somebody go into the Airbnb model versus the long-term rental model if they were wanting to do, you know, do this type of thing versus the fix and flip or the wholesaling? Let's assume it's just you know, wanting to landlord and collect income passively, right? Mm-hmm. Would you recommend everybody go this model versus the long-term? And if so, why?
1: Good question. I've not been asked that one either. Okay. I've done all, all the different kinds of things. Not everything, but I've done the wholesaling. I've done the flipping. I've done all that stuff. And uh, this is so much infinitely more easy to do than any of those things because you don't have to know anything about real estate to do it. Really, if you know how to lease, if you ever rented a, pro- a property in your life, and you've ever used an app on your phone, like any app, you can figure out how to use Airbnb and you can figure out how to lease. And that's just a matter of learning how to build a system to, to manage more. To of manage it. Right. right. That's, that's really what I, where I come in. If you want to do one property, you don't need me to do that. But you do need me to learn how to scale. So uh, that's what I teach is how to scale. But um, most people that have gone through my training, for example, and have been successful uh, have, have no real estate investing background at all. And a lot of them have no business background at all. So, um, I mean, I've got teenagers that are doing several hundred thousand dollars a year. I've got people in their seventies that are, you know, had no retirement plan and they're doing it. And they've never even heard of Airbnb before me. So, um, so it's super, super uncomplicated and, uh, it's, it's a fast learning curve. I mean, it's, if you can't get a property in 30 days or less, you're not doing something right. It's not that hard to get your first property in 30 days. So, um, and in fact, that's what I teach in the course is you have to identify and get your property in 30 days. Um, that's my goal for everybody. So, um, yeah, so it's super easy. It's way easier than real real estate investing is. I still love real estate investing, but this is more of like a a, a side gig that you can leverage into something really big if you want to. And I, it's all, we're all about side gigs these days. So this is something you can do in your spare time on the weekend, go find a property, put it on Airbnb and then start building.
0: Boom. Guys, you heard it directly from Brian himself. The founder of B&B Formula, he has a book at brianpagebook.com. That's audio, right? Audio book. I'm going to check that out today. And if you guys are interested to learn more about how simple it can be to get into real estate with little to no money and or little lease experience, right? Mm-hmm. Check out Brian at bnbformula.com. Brian, anything else you want to add, man? This has been an awesome episode.
1: No, Dave, you're a great interviewer. Great questions. I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been fun.
0: Hell yeah, it has been. Brian, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Guys, don't forget, check out Brian's book. Brian Page, that's P-A-G-E yep. book.com. Or if you want more information about his actual program, where he'll teach you, you know, exactly what he's doing in his business and how you can do it too. Check out the BNB Formula. Com. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to the, today's episode of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, and we are signing off. Until next time, guys. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience.